and we're just praying that it'll happen. And I know it'll happen when it's supposed to, but we, we we're selfish and want her here. So, so y'all pray that that happens in a in a very soon manner. Um, pray for my pray for my my cousin over in Dallas. Pray for all the family over there, and uh, we we probably won't be having that memorial service till the end of April, probably somewhere around the end of April. I'm thinking just because of logistical things, but but anyway, um, trying to think who else. Uh, my friend Carl Cullum over in Paris, he's had uh, lots of trouble with his uh, kidney, and and now he's had trouble with his gallbladder and and uh, different things, but had to have some surgery the other day. Y'all pray for him, please. Somebody else. Diane, is she doing any different? Doing a little bit better. Okay. Your niece? Yesterday she went to the doctor for the kidney to see how her kidney was Okay. Right. Brother Byron, you heard Scott learned anything different? Okay. Well, thanks for praying for my wife. Hers is doing better, but still ain't 100%, but it's better than it was. I think she got sciatic problems, honestly. Um, anything else? Anybody else? All right. Pray for his traveling mercies. Mom, you had something? She got a little little dip in her vision. Okay. Pray that, pray that you get some answers on that and get some figured out. Uh, anything else? Anybody else? Okay. Uh, she did go and see him a couple weeks ago. Initially, a couple years ago, when she Just worked out, <laughs> sir. All right. Anything from anybody else before we go to one prayer? All right. I got some unspoken things that, that uh, yeah, we probably all got something, but God knows what it is. That's a good thing. God knows cry of our heart, boy, ever opened my mouth. But let's let's take it all to Him and let's lay it at His feet. <clears throat> Robert, lead us in prayer. Oh. 
Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way, lady, 
Praise God. Again, it's good to be in church. It's good to be here with you. It's good to be here with you. Good to be here with you, listening in. And it's good to be in the Word of God. Amen. Proverbs chapter 14, and we're going to look at seven verses tonight if we got time and if we can get that far. But this verse right here, verse 1, I'm going I'm to be here a minute. I'm not going to run through this one. This one needs to be needs, needs to be addressed. It says, every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. I got two statements I want to make just based on this verse right here. The right woman is ready to build a life. A woman who's ready, a woman who God is, is working in their life, a woman who, uh, I say the right woman, he says every wise woman, a wise woman is ready to to build a life. She's ready to be a wife. She's ready to be a mama. She's ready to take care of a house. She's ready to take care of children. She's ready to take care of her husband. She's she's in the right place in life. And that you know, that's what God wants. God wants a good home. He wants a good family. And and But the opposite of that, the Bible says the foolish plucks it down with their hands. The wrong woman can be your ruin. Uh choose very wisely and i i know we're i'm looking at married men and, and men probably ain't gonna get married so i ain't talking to y'all tonight but i'm but there's plenty of people listening in and there's plenty of people i mean there's there's well over 100 people listening every time we have a service so and i don't know who all them 100 people are but you know what there's somebody out there tonight that's either thinking about getting married or they're engaged or or something you know or they maybe they're dating somebody pretty seriously and they they, they looking at one another and thinking about these things, I help somebody tonight, and 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 maybe you can't use this for yourself, but you can use it for somebody that you know that that needs this and this uh, wisdom. You know, the Bible says here, every wise woman buildeth her house, and so we we see that that that, that God is referring to the life as a house. That's what He's referring to uh, in Proverbs nine one. It talks about wisdom building her house. It says, wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. Wisdom is about structure. Wisdom is about uh, creating something that lasts. Wisdom is not about temporary, fleeting things. Wisdom is about, uh, again, about building solid things and building a life. And and a good woman, the one that God, the one that God is talking about here, is one who does things wisely. And Proverbs eleven sixteen, the Bible said, "A gracious woman retaineth honor." And strong men retain riches. A gracious woman, that's one of the kinds of women he's talking about here. This is a woman who, who ha- carries herself with grace. And this, this, God's speaking of a, of a gracious woman. He's saying she's going to retain honor. In other words, she's not going to make choices in life that are going to bring dishonor. She's going to make choices in life that will bring honor to her household. And so, again, a wise woman, a woman who understands that she's not to... She's not to uh, conduct herself in a way that makes her, well, that casts a bad shadow on her safety. She's not to conduct herself in a way that uh, is going to bring dishonor upon her her husband, upon herself, upon her children, upon those in her life that love her and take care of her and and care for her and she cares for. Proverbs 11.22, it says, As a jewel of gold in a swine snout, so is a fair woman, which is without discretion, which is, Talking about another kind of woman there, the opposite. She's she's got she's a you know she's she's pretty. You look at her and say, well, she's a pretty girl. But what is she about? It says like a jewel of gold in a swine's mouth. You can dress up a pig. You can really make a pig. I mean, you can clean one. I've seen them. I've been to them. I've been to the livestock shows. They powder them things. I mean, I've seen kids in there laying down taking naps with their pig. They snuggle right up next to them. I mean, they must smell all right or they wouldn't do that, right? And just imagine, I mean, I, I can you imagine maybe taking a little nail polish and on them hooves and making them put some putting some pink on there? You know? Put a little lipstick. You heard a lipstick on a pig, right? Put a little lipstick on that pig's snout. Yeah. Make pretty look draw some pretty lips on there. And then and then swap out that hog ring and keep them from rooting and put a put a nice gold ring in there, maybe platinum, I don't know, but with a big old ruby or an emerald on it or diamond shining, sparkling, wouldn't that be pretty? Wouldn't that look nice? Wouldn't look right, would it? 
Mm-mm. No, it doesn't look right for a pretty woman to act like a hog either. Amen. I think that's what God's trying to say. It don't look pretty. It don't look pretty for a fair woman to be without discretion, which means she doesn't she doesn't really care what happens. Uh, Proverbs twelve four: A virtuous woman, a woman that has virtue, who who cares about what God has to say and and wants to follow Him, she's a crown to her husband. Uh, she makes him feel like a king. In other words, the Bible says, "But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness to his bones." Proverbs thirty verses ten through thirty one, which we'll get to eventually, it describes all the way all the ways that a, that a woman builds her house, coupled together with the fear of the Lord. Everything she does, she's doing for her husband, she's doing for her children, she's doing to benefit her home. Uh, Bible talks about her her uh, buying a piece of land because she knows it can be turned into something good for her family. She rises early. Uh, she 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 labors with her hands. All those things uh, that she does, she's virtuous. That means she she has. She has. Uh, uh, she values her family. She values her home. She values uh, the things that God has given her, and so she works hard to maintain those things. Proverbs thirty-one thirty says, "Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised." Amen. You know, again, favor is deceitful. Everybody, oh, everybody likes her. Everybody likes her, but she's something else. You know, that that's deceitful. Amen. Beauty's vain. She sure is pretty. Yes, pretty is as pretty does. So, I heard a preacher one time say that. He said, pretty pretty is as pretty does. Get your ugly one, Skinner. <laughs> I don't know if that's good advice. But uh, but uh, anyway, Dr. Curtis Hudson said that. If you want to look at it, he's, he's in heaven, so you can fuss at him. But, but beauty is vain. You can't look at somebody and tell what's in their heart. You really can't. The Bible says, but a woman that feareth the Lord. Well, you can see what's in her heart because that's her testimony. She respects the Lord. She wants to do. She wants to honor the Lord with her life, and it comes out in her character. And the Bible says she shall be praised, and she will be because her works follow. Her works follow her faith. Uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty two: Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. The Bible says, God said it's good to have a wife, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Proverbs 19:14 says, "Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord." That's the one that's careful. That's the one that's trying to uh, take care of the home and trying to take care of the husband, trying to take care of the the children and the and the and all the the things to do with the household. But the Bible says, the Bible says, if you've got a wife like that, you'll have the favor of the Lord. But see, there's the other half of this. There's the other half, which is the foolish that plucketh down her house with her hands. The Bible says that, that she, she tears it down with her own hands. But you know, that reminds me of Proverbs 124, where, where the Bible says, Because I have called, God saying, I've called, I've tried to get your attention, but you refused. I have stretched out my hand, I tried to help, but you, but no man regarded. And, and that highlights the fact that the destruction of her, her family and the destruction of her property is due to our own incompetence because God said, I, I called, I, tr- I tried to get through to you that, that, that you were going the wrong way, that you were doing the wrong thing, but she said, I don't want to listen to that. Shut up. I don't want to hear you. Quit talking to me, God. Quit speaking to me. I read somewhere yesterday, Joan Collins, y'all remember her, the actress from way back yonder, back in forever ago, uh, when she was on her deathbed. One of her maids was praying for her, and she she cursed and said, "Don't you dare call on God to help me." Yeah. She roasted, I'm afraid, moments later. But you know, again, I've called, but you refuse. You said, "I don't want that. Get that out of here. Don't speak His name in here." I have stretched out my hand, and nobody regarded. Nobody paid any attention to God was trying to help. And that's why the foolish woman's house is coming down all around her is because she ignored God. Uh, she's she, now we're, The woman we're talking about here, she's hopelessly arrogant. She's foul-mouthed. She's hot-tempered. And she ain't got no self-control. And the world is full of them. And, I, and again, I, I'm not talking to any of you ladies in here tonight, all sweet Christian ladies, and I thank God for you. But I'm going to speak some things tonight because there are men out there that need to hear this. I'm going to tell you, if you're looking for a wife tonight, 
I'm going to give you some red flags tonight. Again, this is for this is for our listening audience. Uh, y'all can take note if you want to, but I'm going to give you some red flags because I'm afraid. I'd be afraid to be a young man looking for a wife today. I really would because, listen to me, I look around at churches and they're full of older people. They're not full of young girls who are learning how to be wives. They're full of older people who are getting ready to go to heaven and meet Jesus. Churches are not full of young people because people quit caring about God in America. We've let God be a pastime that we sometimes take part in rather than our life. And and because of that, we have a generation of young people that don't have a clue how to be a how to be a husband or a wife. And and if you're a young man out there and you're looking for a wife, I'm going to give you 15 things quickly that you need to see as red flags that you might step back and say, hang on, I don't know if I want to marry her or not, okay? Uh, I'm going to give you 15 characteristics of a narcissistic woman. This is a woman who's all about herself. Number one, she is self-centered and self-absorbed. Again, it's all about her. Uh, again, if, if, if any time you try to engage a conversation and it's always about her and never about you, you might have a red flag there. Because, again, it's always going to be that way. If it's that way now, chances are it's going to continue to be that way. Don't think she's going to flip a switch and be different tomorrow. Uh, and, again, I, and before I get started, I know somebody out there is thinking, why are you taking on women? Don't you know every other service has been about men? Amen. Tonight I just happened to get on women. I, and listen, don't get mad. It'll be all right. I'll be back on men here in a minute after this verse. But I'm going to go to seed here because it needs to be. <laughs> Number two. Another 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 red flag. You might be going going into it with the wrong woman. She never admits she's wrong. She when even when she is wrong, before the conversation is over, you're apologizing. You got a problem there. Somebody who can't admit they're wrong is not going to be somebody you want to raise your children. Amen. If she can't admit she's wrong, how can she teach them that they're wrong? Amen. How in the world? Again, she can't. How do you get under conviction about your sin? How do you get right with God if you're never wrong? Amen. There's a problem there. Number three, pettiness and inability to see the bigger picture. Making a mountain out of molehills constantly. Always put you always having to put out a fire somewhere. You got a problem there. You, can I tell you what's wrong with her? She's unhappy with herself. Let me keep going. Number four, obsession with social status, with what everybody else thinks. You know somebody who does that? You know what they don't care about? They don't care what God thinks when they care about what everybody else thinks. Because the Bible says when a man waits to please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So if you're focused on what God thinks and, and pleasing him, you won't worry about what everybody else thinks. And so the opposite of that is true with a narcissistic woman. She only cares about about what everybody else thinks about her. Number five, she's addicted to social media. Always seeing what other, again, checking. This is checking up on what everybody else thinks about her constantly. Uh, The the one who always taking selfies of herself to show off how pretty she is for everybody to brag on and constantly reaffirm to her how pretty she is. There's something wrong there. Um, Number six. One who is exploitative of others, passive aggressive behavior to get what they want. I I'll, I'll throw a fit one minute and be all snuggly the next, and then throw a fit the next minute and be all snuggly the next. What is that? That's me messing with your emotions to get you so messed up you don't know what you're coming or going to get you to give in to what I want you to do. Amen. I know. I'm telling. I'm blowing the lid off all her secrets. But it is what it is. Number seven, being overly vain. Just, I mean, just about the stupidest things and caring about the silliest things. Always worrying about uh, something that don't amount to anything. Uh, Number eight, one of the worst ones of all, using sex appeal to coerce. In other words, being flirtatious and and overly uh, that way in order to get what they want from somebody. Number nine, seeming insecure, shy, or reserved. In other words, pretending, putting on a face for you. And then later on you find out that's not who she was at all. Uh, Okay. Then number 10, again, I'm trying to hurry because I want to try to get through these verses tonight. Uh, 
being overreactive. I mean, just absolutely overdramatic, blowing up and, and freaking out on you. Number 11, overly dependent. Uh, number 12, playing the victim. Number 13, I'm going too fast for her. She's writing. Manipulation. And I'm getting all this is manipulation. All of this is pulling the strings. All of this is, is trying to get their way. Bullying is number 14. And women do that. They'll bully a man to get what they want. Because what's he going to do? Because if it all comes down to it and the cops come, guess who's going to jail? That's what happens a lot. Amen. Uh, and then lastly is instability. And, again, somebody who's one way one, one day and one way uh, there's some instability. Again, and, and, again, those are red flags. But, but the phrase there says she tears it down. She plucketh it down, which means she tears it down with her hands. That's the opposite of building up, breaking down, tearing down. It's the same thing used in Job 12, 14, where it says, Behold, he breaketh down and he cannot build again. He shutteth up a man there can be no opening. It's the same phrase used. In Psalm 28, verse 5, it says, Because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands, he shall destroy them. Meaning God will destroy them and not build them up. Let me say this about this foolish woman. It's extremely doubtful that that foolish woman could build that household in the first place to destroy it. Because if she comes at it that way, she's not going to... She's not going to know how to build a godly household if she's a foolish woman. So it leads me to believe that one of two things has taken place here. Number one, she apostatized and went the way of the devil. And believe me, I know about that. I'm not going to say how I know about that, but believe me, I know what, I know what it's like when a woman who seemingly is godly one day flips a, flips a switch and just goes straight straight off into the world. Uh, you know, it happens to people. It happened to Demas in the Bible. He was with Paul, serving Paul. One day he said, you know what? I love the world. I'm going back. I ain't doing this no more. I've had it. And it happens. And, uh, you know, and it may be that this woman, it could be a woman like this. She she did that. She just said, you know what? I'm 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 done. I'm done with this Christian life, and I'm going back. I'm going to go back to all the things that I missed. So the devil will convince her through some lust of this world that she's looked at and caught on to that she's missing out on all the wonders of this world because she married too young. You know, and she just missed that. She never did get to live, you know. I've heard that so many times. I never got to live, you know. I mean, I really didn't. I, I was young when I married, and I've heard that from so many different women I've counseled with over the years who a husband and wife were, were, were about to fall apart. Selfishness. That's what it is. It's selfishness. Uh, you know, and... And it'll take it'll take somebody and take them right take their heart right away, <clears throat> or maybe maybe she had some well uh, some worldly friends, and they begin to convince her that she's being manipulated by this control freak of a husband because he wants to live by God's standards. I know a preacher right now going through that, right this very minute. His wife is 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 absolutely fed up with with having to uh, struggle and and live the way that that she's living, which ain't up to her standards. And he's trying to serve God. You know, it happens all the time. It happens all over the place. The devil, all he's got to do, listen, living for Christ today is difficult enough without somebody trying to tell you and, and convince your spouse that, that they're being they're being browbeaten into this life and that you're just a warden manipulating them and trying to run their life. This is the devil to sit on somebody's shoulder and talk until they turn, turn tail and run. But evidently something happened here. And that very well could have happened. You know, women get caught up in Hollywood and, and, and fashion and different things, and, and, and they begin to look at the Bible as this outdated uh, manuscript that's dull and trying to ruin their life and won't let them dress like they want to dress or live like they want to live or watch what they want to watch or drink what they want to drink or go where they want to go. And how dare you try to get me to live like that? To tear our house down. To tear her house down because she's why? Because she's unhappy with her. And y'all know what the old expression is. Y'all can say it with me. When mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Right. And if mama wants to go to the world and live like the world, everybody's miserable. But on the other hand, now maybe the second thing happened. 
On the other hand, maybe this woman was never godly. Or maybe she maybe she's been a mess for a long time. Maybe maybe she's been foolish. She's been acting foolish for a long time, and God's give her another chance at a godly household. Maybe she inherited. Maybe there was another godly woman that died, and this woman just stepped into her shoes. She inherited a godly woman's household. Maybe she pretended to be godly enough to get her way in the door, and now she don't know how to live it, and she ends up tearing it down because she's trying to fit into something she don't fit into. There's a lot of reasons why this could take place. But all I've I got to say all that to say this. If you're a young man and you're looking for a woman, you better make sure she loves the Lord Jesus Christ with all her heart. You better make sure she loves him more than she loves you. Because if you don't, you're fighting a losing battle, my friend. you gotta, you got to get them, you gotta get them close to Jesus or, or it's a losing battle. <clears throat> Verse 2. He that walketh in, the, uh, in his uprightness, spirit, the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth him. Let me read that again. He that walketh in his uprightness feareth the Lord. You know, if you flip that around, it, it makes more sense to our ears. He that feareth the Lord walketh in his uprightness. You know, I mean, that's the way we'd say it versus the English, the old English way of saying it. But but that's that's what it's saying. A person that's right with God. If you love God, you know what? Your life's going to reflect it. I mean, if your heart beats for the Lord, you're going to have a you're going to have a smile on your face. You're going to have a you're going to have joy in your life. People are going to notice that when they get around you, because if again with the love of God, you can't keep a lid on that. It's going to come out of you. So he that walketh in uprightness feareth the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despises him. This is grace and sin in their true colors, out for display. When grace is reigning in your life. There's a reverence to God that's there in your life. And that reverence gives honor to him who's infinitely great and holy, to whom all honor is due. And he, he deserves every bit of it. We're to honor him always. And sin, when it's reigning in your life, all that is, that's nothing more than just contempt for God that's showing. You let sin take over your life, well, at some point you decided God wasn't that important. At some point, you decided that what you wanted was more important than God. So it began to rain in your life, and guess what? The more, the more you did that, the more you allowed it in, the more perverse you get because it's a slippery slope. And once you give in to sin, hey, listen, you walk it out of fellowship with God. And when you're out of fellowship with God, guess what? You ain't got his power working in your life. And this is a quick slide down that hill. And that's why it's, it's so important that we keep we keep short accounts with God, that we not we not let ourselves drift from God. Because it doesn't take long. The Bible says a man walks away from, from, from the Word of God, talking about it being a mirror, and it says he quickly forgetteth what manner of man he was. Quickly. God's Word says that. We better remember that, that we need to stay close to the Lord, walk in an uprightness. Um, those that despise God's precepts, his truths, they ain't gonna be ruled by them. They don't want them. They don't want God. They don't want God's commandments ruling over their life because they despise them. They just they despise His promises. So they don't want His promises. They could care less what God's promised them, and and they also despise God Himself. They despise God's attributes. They again, they don't want any part of it. Why? Because they're living in a perverse situation. They're living a perverse life. They've decided that they've chosen sin uh, over the right way. Uh, this is grace and true uh, the grace and sin in their true colors, but it's also grace and sin in their true light. <clears throat> the Bible says it tells us that, that by this, you know, you know a man by his fruits, and this by this we know a man has grace and the fear of the Lord in him, reigning in him. How? Because he's walking in his uprightness. He's walking. Uh, listen, a man ain't going to naturally walk in the uprightness of the Lord. A man does not naturally do that. A man naturally gravitates towards sin. A man naturally gravitates toward toward an unrighteous existence because that's our natural existence. We're a natural sinful flesh. But a man who's walking in the fear of the Lord, he, he, you, know when, you know when you get around him. You can tell that because, again, that's not a natural thing. And, uh, again, if you meet somebody that walks uprightly and is very conscientious of all their actions and is faithful to God and faithful to man and every 
every every stop he makes as well as every step he takes is in accordance with God's word. Well, there's a man that honors God. It's pretty obvious. Uh, so, you know, to the contrary, a man that's perverted in his ways, that willfully follows his own appetites and his own lusts, just does whatever he wants. He's unjust, can't trust him. He's dishonest. He contradicts his profession and his conversation. Everything he does, it contradicts him saying anything about God. If he, had, if he mentioned he had anything to do with God, everything in his life contradicts it. <clears throat> he can pretend, he can pretend, but you, you can pretend to be religious all day long. But you know what? If you're a wicked man, it's going to come out. What's in you is going to come out. Whatever's down in your heart is going to come out. You know, out of the out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So again, it's going to be obvious. Verse three: In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. Uh, the fool is going to expose himself because he's his worst enemy. He's he, you know he's proud, but he's a fool. So. Again, he's he's not a he's not a wise. Well, there's no such thing as a wise, proud person. Um, again, anybody that's full of pride is a fool because, again, they're their worst their own worst enemy. Uh, he has a rod in his mouth that he keeps on hitting himself with. He can't get ahead quite because he's a fool and he, and he runs his mouth because he's proud. And uh, where there's pride in the heart and no wisdom in the head to control it. Way it runs out the mouth, That's, and it'll get you in trouble every time. The Bible says, "In the in the mouth there's pride, proud boasting, proud condemning, proud scorning, proud commanding, and proud bossing. Just a bunch of bunch of barking, and I'm a big shot, you're not, and you're gonna listen to me. And and uh, you know, and again, it's it's a, it's a rod, it's a branch of pride, and uh, the Bible says it's a rod there. And it, and it grows from a root of bitterness. Pride comes from it comes from a root of, root of bitterness, which is down in the heart. And it, it's a it's a rod that grows up out of that root and out of that stem. And to get rid of that pride in your life, you got to pull it up by the roots. You can't just break it off. You got to pull that thing out of there, or it'll keep coming back. You got to sacrifice that old God. Is what I'm trying to say. If there's pride in your life or it's going to keep coming back and ruining your life over and over and over again. And it's a beating rod. It's a rod of pride, which which you strike other people with. And like I said, it comes out your mouth. And, and, and the proud man, he, he takes that he takes that rod, he just strikes whoever he wants to with it, wherever and whomever he wants to. But in the end, you know what? It's going to turn on him, and it's going to take him out in the end. Um, but the Bible says the second half that the lips of the wise shall preserve them. James 3, 2 and 3, talking about the tongue, it says, For in many things we offend all. But if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. In other words, he's mature and grown up and controlled himself and able also to bridle the whole body. Because, again, if you control your mouth, you can control everything else. He said, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. Then we turn about the whole body. You just pull that rein, the horse's head comes around, his body comes around. Well, God says you can control your mouth, you can control the rest. Again, the lips of the wise preserve them, because why? They control their mouth. Uh, and as believers, what kind of bridle should we have? Well, the Word of God ought to be our bridle. It'll fit every one of us. And it'll, it's a custom fit by God, and I guarantee you it'll keep you from going the wrong way and saying the wrong thing. And And we should be protected from crude, insulting words that cause others to react with anger. Because, again, that's why we need the Word of God to guard our mouth. Because if, he, because if it's not guarded, again, things come out. Uh, you know, uh, anger gets a hold of us. And, uh, and, and if we're not careful, we're going to cause others to be angry. We cause others to mock us in our Christianity, cause others to disrespect us and disrespect the Lord, cause others to want to strike revenge at us. We've got to be careful what we say. So, again, the lips of the wise will preserve their life. But the fool is going to get it in the end. Verse 4, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But in, but much increase is by the, by the strength of the oxen. Let me read that again. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increase is by the strength of the ox. 
it's an interesting verse because it addresses something that uh well it's something i something that kind of gets under my skin a little bit uh, i'm not a neat freak at all by any stretch of the imagination i hate to admit it but i'm not a neat freak most men ain't uh, most of us we got a shop full of stuff cluttered everywhere but we know right where it's at right you could a woman couldn't walk through there. She'd end up needing a tetanus shot before she got out of there. But we know where everything is, and if you go in there and clean it up, we'll never find it again. Amen. Come on now. I said amen. Surely I know y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm not. It's not men versus women, not I promise you. But these are just truths that we've got to acknowledge. Amen. But uh, anyway, let's get to this. Where no oxen is, the crib are clean. Where no oxen is, to till the ground tread out the corn the crib's empty or it's clean and there's no you know there's no hay for the cows there and as a consequence there's no bread for the family because there's no cows there's nobody there's nothing there working and providing a garden providing a farm providing uh food on to be putting on the table and uh scarcity in the bible famine is represented sometimes by the phrase cleanness of teeth Amos 4, 6 says, I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places, yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. But here in this verse, he's, he's, talking, about, he's talking about people being hungry and starving. Why? Uh, because there's no oxen there. There's no oxen. There's, no, there's nobody gardening. There's nobody working. Uh, and, and you guess what? Where there's no oxen, the barn may be clean. Maybe maybe nice and pretty in there, but you know what there ain't? There ain't no dung in there. There ain't no dung in there. There ain't no dung. There ain't no. There's no manure on the floor to sweep up, which makes things neat and nice. I mean, it's real nice and pretty to look at. And, you know, woman looking at the barn, say, "Oh, it's so pretty in here. You got it cleaned up in here. Looks good. I can I can store some things in here or whatever. Make a she shed in here or whatever." But but uh, but you know. Some people like things to be so tidy and so spotless and everything in its place, and I understand that. And some people can't stand farm life. Why? Because it requires dirty work, hard work, sweaty work. And they'd rather sell their oxen and keep their barn clean. Yeah. So so they can walk out in their barn and look at it and say, man, it's clean. That makes me so happy. Until they realize that they're going to have to do all the work themselves. And, and realize that they're going to have to do without fertilizer because there ain't no cow. They're making no fertilizer. Amen. But everything's clean. Everything's pretty. Everything's just like it ought to be. Matthew Henry said this. He said, this shows the folly of those who addict themselves to the pleasures of the country but don't mind the business of it, who, as we say, keep more horses than cattle, more dogs than hogs, and their families suffer by it. In other words, they won't live the country life, but they don't want to invest themselves in what the country produces, so they're going to sit there and they'll go hungry. And again, that's going to happen in this country because the grocery store ain't going to always take care of people. It's going to come a day when those who don't know how to grow their own food are going to starve to death, I'm afraid, in this country. God's Word's got wisdom all in it, and if people would listen to what God said, they won't, they don't have to go hungry. God will tell you how to live. And And again... If you work the ground, you're going to benefit from it. It's plain and simple as that. Whether it's physical soil or it's spiritual soil, it'll never become more than it is if we don't do anything with it. Right? Tiller, a hoe, a shovel, a rake, a wheelbarrow will do you far more good than shrubbery, bird baths, and decorative lighting every week. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not saying you can't have both of those things. But if, if if that's all that's out there, you can't eat that stuff. And and God's trying to trying to make it clear that people know that. Much increase is by the strength of the ox. God made him for our service. And he's profitable alive for work, and he's profitable dead for food, for both things. Verse five, I gotta hurry, we'll be done in just a second here. A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. It's pretty simple. A faithful a witness that's faithful or conscientious wouldn't dare give a testimony that's in the least little thing untrue. They wouldn't they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it to help somebody. They wouldn't do it to hurt somebody, no matter whether they like them or not. That's a that's a faithful witness. 
you know, and, and a faithful witness, I'm going to say this too, a faithful witness won't lie with their testimony about their Savior either. A faithful witness will will walk uprightly because of who lives in them. Uh, second of all, it says a false witness. False witness will utter lies. You can bribe that witness. You can you can browbeat them into it. They'll, they'll eventually break. They'll eventually give in. They'll speak lies. They won't hesitate. And they'll do it with enthusiasm and confidence as if they, what they said was 100% true. That's what a false witness will do. And I'm, I wrote down a note here to tell this. I ain't going to tell who it is because I wouldn't dare embarrass nobody. But I'm going to tell you, years ago when I pastored over Paris, there was a girl in our church, and her parents didn't come. It was just her. She lived a few, few streets over from the church. And uh, she was the type of person that had to have all the attention on her, had to have the spotlight on her. And uh, and she'd do just about anything to get that attention. And so she told our church one time during prayer request, pray for her sister who was pregnant. And, of course, none of us knew her family. I, I'd spoken to her mother once or twice, but that was about it. And uh, she said that her sister was pregnant out of wedlock, pray for her, pray for the baby. And so we were, and, and, and then she told us that her sister was having the baby. And, and so we, we, you know, we rejoiced with her and everything. And, and it wasn't long after that she stood up in prayer request, uh during prayer request time and said, pray for my sister's baby. The baby's got RSV. And so we were praying for that baby who had RSV. And then she told us about a week later after that that the baby had died. It was at that point when somebody from our church called her mother to inquire about the arrangements. We wanted to send a flower arrangement over to the funeral, whenever it was, and found out that there was never a baby to begin with. It was all a made-up story to get attention. Talk about a faithful witness. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now. But I'm what everybody there believed every word came out of that mouth. Amen? Listen, a false witness will utter lies and do it with a smile on their face and look you dead in the eye. Don't think for one second somebody won't lie to you like that because they sure will. Verse 6. Verse 6. A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not, but knowledge is easy unto him that understandeth. A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not. Well, there's a reason why some people seek wisdom and they don't find it. It's because they, they're not seeking it from the right source and they're not seeking it in the right way, and they ain't even looking to receive it anyway. So what do you mean? Well, they're scorners. That's people that criticize. That's people that mock. And, and, and it's in contempt that they're asking for, asking questions anyway. That's the reason they're saying, well, well, what about this and what about that? They don't really want to know. They just want to make fun of the answer. They just want to ridicule whatever you tell them and make fun of it. <clears throat> you know, again, people, people. I, I, I watch people. Uh, I watch a lot of videos um, where where you got these kids in these colleges, and they're standing up talking to people who are conservatives in their values, and uh, most of them are conservative Christians, and they're on these college campuses, and they're talking about truth and right and those types of things and, and you know, and, and and governing the right way and, and these people that they stand up, you know, you got you got the trans people, you got you got your, your communists over here, your Marxist over here, your abortion crowd and they all gotta stand up and, 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 and just scream and holler and act like absolute idiots and won't listen to reason. They didn't stand up to ask the question because they wanted an intelligent answer. They stood up so they could try to make the speaker uh, look stupid and put them in their place. That's the kind of people he's talking about here. Um, they're scorners. They're, again, they don't, they're not looking for any truth. They just want to mock whatever comes at them. You know, people, people questioned the Lord back when he was walking around on this earth. They questioned him a lot. They, they tempted him. They tried to find a way to accuse him. They constantly did that, but they but they never did understand him. And in Acts chapter eight, there was the man Simon Magus who he 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 came seeking the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Do you remember he wanted to he wanted to know if he could have those gifts so he could lay hands on people and they'd receive the Holy Ghost because he wanted he wanted to get money out of it. He it was to serve his pride so he'd be somebody powerful and important. He was a magician, you see. And uh, and he wanted it was all about pride and covetousness, but he didn't find what he was looking for. He got a stern rebuke instead of it because he asked for such a thing. Herod Herod when Jesus was brought before him, Herod was a scorner. 
and he and he he asked to see a miracle, but it was denied him. Luke twenty three eight and nine. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him for a long season, because he heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. You see, scorners don't succeed when they ask for things. But see, the Bible the Bible tells us about those who are who uh but but knowledge is easy to him that understandeth. To the one that understands who will depart from evil, the knowledge of God and his and his will, it's it's not that hard to understand. The same words that drive the scorner away from God draws the humble man to God. The parables that harden a scorner's heart make godly things more uh repulsive to them. They're a blessing to those of us that are willing to learn and make the same things plain to us and accessible and familiar to us. Uh, Matthew thirteen eleven it says, He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Verse 15, down a few verses later, he said, For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and for their eyes are closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. <clears throat> so knowledge is easy to him that understands. One more verse, and we're done. Verse 7. It says, Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. Go from the presence of a foolish man. So how do we know when we've met up with a fool? I think we can pretty much figure that out. But, I mean, it's a good question to ask. Well, the Bible says when we perceive not in him the lips of knowledge. When everything comes out of his mouth is a bunch of nonsense. Uh, when we... Well, if we find that, there, that he doesn't have any enjoyment, any appreciation for godliness, and you can tell that by the way he's talking, he don't want to have anything to do with God. He don't want anything to do with the ways of God. doesn't appreciate goodness or godliness or anything. And we realize that their way of talking is full of obscenities. Again, I quoted it earlier, but Matthew twelve thirty four says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So whatever's coming out of that man's mouth, that's what's down in his heart. So if he's talking like a fool, guess what? He's a fool, right? All right. So what's God say to do? God, oh, keep trying to convert him and trying to be kind to him, and maybe somehow you can win. No, God says get away from him. He's a fool. There's no, there's more. Listen, there's not much hope for a fool. Why? Because a fool says in his heart there is no God, and he don't care what God has to say. So God says get away. So again, go. G-O, it's not hard to understand. Get away from the presence of a foolish man. Don't hang around. So get out of his presence. Why? Because you understand that there is no good to be gotten from hanging around with him. There's only the danger of getting hurt by hanging around his presence. And I say that because there's a lot of there's a lot of bleeding heart Christians who stay hanging around somebody who's only hurting them daily. And that, that person don't want God, but they're so... Oh, I've got to win them. Well, I'm listening. If they don't, you know, there's a thing called casting your pearls before swine and giving that which is holy unto dogs. When somebody has spit in the direction of your Savior and told you they don't want him, walk away. Walk away. Nobody, uh, somebody said, nobody deserves to hear the gospel twice until everybody's heard it once. You know, quit, quit trying to beg and plead somebody that turns him away. Uh, listen, go find somebody that wants to be saved. I'm going to hurry. I'm almost done. So, again, he wants us to get away from a fool. I got three or four verses and I'm done. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three, it says, Be not deceived. So why? Because the devil wants to deceive you. He says, Evil communications corrupt good manners. You take a good Christian and put them around somebody who's living wicked for a weekend, before that weekend's over, they done rubbed off on that good Christian and got him to thinking about if not doing things already he shouldn't do, thinking about doing things he shouldn't do. Bad, evil communications, watching, hanging around somebody who's living wickedly will rub off on you and corrupt your good manners. Proverbs 9, 6, it says, forsake the foolish. What does that mean? Bye. I'm gone. Y'all acting stupid. I'm out of here. I'm not hanging around. Forsake the foolish and live, God says, because if you go with them, you might die. 
you know what? There's been a many a kid got in a truck with somebody who was drunk and knew better, and they went anyway, and they wound up dead. Many of them. And I'm not talking just about kids that happened to here six months ago in this county. I'm talking about I'm talking about kids that I knew growing up. I'm talking about kids that I went to school with. I'm talking about a plenty of them that I watched all those years in between. They just did the stupidest thing and they went along thinking it'd all be all right. Mom and Daddy got a phone call from the cops. She ain't coming home. She ain't coming home. Forsake the foolish and live. Titus three nineteen. Don't be listening to them either. It says. Avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and striving. That's some of them fools that come to church every now and then. They just want to come to church and argue with somebody about some little something they hung up on, and they don't care about the truth. They just want to care about what they want to argue with you about and cause contention in your church. And the Bible says avoid it. Get away. So, hey, listen, I got time for that stuff. You want to talk to somebody, go talk to somebody else. Don't come down here with it. We don't want to argue. We want to get close to Jesus. <clears throat> and lastly, First, 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. But, well, God's a God of unity and inclusion. God says get away from foolish. There's no denying that. God says, listen, you ain't, you got enough sense to see that that person's stupid. That person's going to hurt themselves and others around them, so get away. It's just common sense, and God put it in us. Amen? God give it to us, and we need to use it. He says, come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I want God. I want God's arms around me. I want God to bless me. I want God's favor. I want God to be my friend. I don't want to be friends with a foolish man. I don't want to end up getting hurt because of some foolish man. Listen, God give me a brain, and I need to use it. God give you one, you need to use it. Young person, listen to me. God give you a brain, use it. Don't let it be the death of you. Sometimes the only thing that you can do, and sometimes the best thing that you can do, is to walk away and turn them over to God and get your hands out of the way and let him deal with them. Amen. Let's stand together. It's been good to be in church with you tonight. And if I made somebody mad, you'll get over it. Hopefully, I didn't make nobody out there mad. But it, you know, the Bible's truth. The truth cuts, and it is what it is. But, but God wants to help us. God wants to grow us. God wants to encourage us. God wants us to 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 be better than we were. And, you know, and we won't do it on our own. We got to look to Him for that wisdom. We got we got to walk in that wisdom. Anything from anybody before we go home tonight? All right. Well, let's go. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. And let's let's go to the house. Brother Byron, dismiss.